This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, we've been talking on some Wednesday nights. I took a break for one week uh, because I felt the Lord wanted us to talk about giving, and uh, so we did that. But uh, tonight's going to be part six of our Wednesday night series called Call of Duty, Spiritual Warfare. And I think that we've seen some uh, some pretty intense stuff throughout this study. Uh, we've seen, I mean, different ways that the enemy attacks. We've seen what the armor of God is, what it actually does, how to use it, how to use our weapons and how to fight a good warfare. And tonight, I believe we have a fitting uh, theme that we're going to talk about in this uh, aspect of spiritual warfare. And the topic tonight on part six is overcoming fear. We're going to be talking about overcoming fear. And I know we've got a, a many uh, incredible veterans in our in our midst tonight. A lot, I know a lot of you guys served and, and you went to battle, you went to war. And I, I realize that one thing that you got to face down when you're going up against an enemy is fear. You have to face fear. And some people are like, well, you know, I'm courageous. I have no fear. Courage means that you're, you, you, you actually have the ability to do something that scares you. Do you know what, you understand that? And so, somebody that's never afraid can't possibly be courageous. Because courage is overcoming your fear. Does that make sense? And so when someone's like, oh, he's the most courageous guy I know. He's not afraid of anything. He's not courageous. I mean, I guess he's fearless. That's a nice thing to be. But you'll never know if you have courage until you overcome something that terrifies you. You never have a chance to prove it. And so, listen to me. We're not turning there, but Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, it tells us, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. And so you're commanded to be courageous. And so that means you're going to have to face down some things in your life that scare you. You're going to have to overcome some fears if you're going to walk with Jesus and if you're going to win the battles that come against you in this life. And so I'll tell you now, man, yeah, there's things that have come against us, things that have come against me that have been scary. But guess what? Faith always wins the victory because we always triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so I want to I want to open up to Mark chapter five tonight. And thank you. Yeah. Mark five. And we're going to look here at verse thirty six. And I'm going to look at something that Jesus said to somebody. And then we're going to break it down. But Mark chapter five, we're going to look at verse thirty six. Amen. God's going to speak to you tonight. Who's ready to receive yeah, Mark chapter five and verse thirty six will be in the NLT all night long. Mark five, verse thirty six. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith right there. That, that, that may not seem like it's that deep to you, but that one little thing that Jesus said right there is the key to so many things that are holding us back. Jesus told this man, don't be afraid. Only believe. Just have faith. And a lot of people are like, well, I mean, I know that, but he doesn't know what I'm facing. Jesus knows what you're facing. Jesus has been there. He's seen it. In fact, the book of Hebrews says that he was tempted in every way that you're tempted. If you've been tempted to quit, Jesus was tempted to quit. If you've been tempted to find the back door, Jesus was tempted to do that. But guess what? He didn't do it. 
Jesus was courageous because Jesus did overcome that which was scaring him. And you're like, well, he wasn't afraid of anything. Listen, he the night before he went to the cross, listen, he was so shaking with fear and anxiety that he was sweating blood, according to Luke. Luke was a doctor. Luke was a physician. He knew something that he was talking about. And so I'm telling you, don't tell me that, that my Jesus wasn't courageous. My Jesus was courageous. He was full of courage. And he did overcome things that tried to hold him back. He did. And I know that we can do it too. And so I want to break down some things for you tonight on how you can overcome fear. Because if you're going to be a successful soldier in God's army, you will have at some point to face your fear. You're going to have to overcome it. You're going to have to stare down that devil that's trying to scare you. And you're going to have to overcome. Amen. And so the first thing we'll say tonight is this. Number one, don't be afraid. Now, whenever we get bad news, our first instinct is to automatically let fear kick in. In fact, a lot of times we don't even need bad news to try to let fear kick in. You know what I mean? I know some people are like, oh my gosh, my husband's like three minutes. Uh, he, he, he's three minutes late. I'll bet he died in a car wreck on the way home. You're going to jump to that? You're like, oh my gosh, my, 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 my daughter's at college and she didn't call yet. I'll bet she got abducted. Oh my gosh. You're going to just jump straight to that. You're not going to consider any other possible option. Listen to me. Fear will try to overcome you in any way that you'll let it overcome you. But here we are in Mark chapter 5. We're looking at the story here of a man named Jairus. And he was a leader in the local synagogue. And his daughter was deathly ill. She, she, was, she was on her deathbed. And so Jairus chases Jesus down and he asks Jesus, come pray for my daughter. And so Jesus says, okay, let's do this. And he, uh, while he's on his way, though, maybe you've heard this story about this woman with the issue of blood. She had had an issue of blood for 12 years and hadn't got better, but just kept getting worse the whole time. Well, she stops Jesus while he's on his way to pray for the little girl. And so, of course, the miracle happens right there, which is a beautiful thing. We're glad that she got her healing. But I want you to pick up here in Mark chapter 5, verse 35. Check this out. So Jesus has been distracted, taking care of this lady. And here's what happens. Mark 5, verse 35. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Wow. Right there it is, man. I, hey, this is the time that fear would kick in. Your daughter is dead. And they're saying not even Jesus can fix this now. And I know some people, you know, they may not say it, but they're almost saying it. This is so bad, I don't even know if Jesus himself could take care of this. Now, you may not say that, but you're letting fear basically speak that through your emotions. Come on. And so here they are. Don't even bother the teacher. She's dead. It's over with. I mean, talk about a bad day. There's not much worse that can happen than this. But, but let's keep going here. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Let's, let's see what happens here. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all the commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's just asleep. And of course, I'm sure Jesus looked like a complete fool right here. He rolls up on the scene. 
with his three best friends, his three, we've explained this, his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. He rolls up there, and there's weeping and wailing and all sorts of stuff. It was a bad, chaotic scene. I mean, it's bad enough when you've got, a, you know, a situation that you're praying for, but when you've got a whole crowd of people causing a commotion, weeping and wailing and throwing dirt in the air and, and all this stuff, it just makes it a whole lot harder to concentrate. I'm telling you now, not only was this situation already bad, but now you've got tremendous distractions all around you. And some of us, we face some bad situations sometimes, but, it's, but, but on top of that, you've got things distracting you, trying to take your focus off of Jesus. And so Jesus rolls in and says, why are you guys even crying? She's just asleep. But let's keep going here. Verse 40, the crowd laughed at him. Bad idea to laugh at Jesus, because guess what he does? He kicks you out. That's what Jesus did right here. But he made them all leave. Can you imagine Jesus kicking you out? You're supposed to be full of love. We were just having a little laugh. Get out! He kicks them out. He kicks them out of the room. Now look at this. Look at this. He took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand. He said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the little girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Wouldn't you be amazed if you saw this? This little girl had been dead, and then Jesus comes in picks her up by the hand and says, get up, and she gets up. Now, looking at this story, there's a lot of lessons that you can get for your spiritual warfare in this story. Does anybody in here ever have a spiritual battle that you fight? I, well, hey, if you're alive, if you're a born-again Christian, you got the devil after you. I'm telling you that right now. Be afraid. No, don't be afraid. We're not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of the devil. But listen to me. you got to realize, and you have to acknowledge that he does exist. We covered this in our first few lessons. It's ironic that the majority of people believe in, if they, don't even, if they don't believe in God or Jesus, they believe in some higher power. But very few people, uh, compared to that number, believe that there's actually a devil. Because everybody, you know, they, they want to believe there's a God. They want to believe there's something better. But they don't want to believe there's a devil. They don't want to believe there's a hell. They just want to believe in the good stuff. But listen to me. If you're in denial that there's even an enemy coming after you, you're going to get your behind kicked. You're not going to win your battle. You're not going to win the war if you don't even think it's real. If you don't even think the enemy exists, he does exist. And so here we are in this story. And there's, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of lessons that you need to learn for your spiritual battles out of this. But notice, first of all, that Jesus had 12 disciples that primarily rolled with him everywhere. We obviously know he had more because in Luke 10, he called 70 of his disciples. So he had a lot of disciples, but he had these 12 disciples, the apostles, that were his main people. And so how come in this situation, he didn't bring all 12 of them? Because in our mind, in our understanding, we think that, well, the more the merrier, the, we better get as many people praying as we can right now. We better tell as many people our problems as we can possibly tell. Well, how come Jesus, Jesus didn't have that philosophy? That's not how Jesus handled his business. Jesus took a select group of people with him and, and wasn't, I mean, some of those other guys were great guys. 
Some of those other disciples, they were fantastic. I'm sure Thaddeus was a great disciple. I never read anything bad about him, but Jesus didn't take him into this situation. And as we've said, I mean, my gosh, what if he had brought Thomas into the impossible situation? He would have doubted the whole thing and blew it up. Judas would have been robbing their, you know, their stock drawer. Judas would have, I mean, so listen to me. You don't just bring everybody when you're in a battle. And that's what I'm trying to tell you right now. When you're in a battle, you bring people of faith that can handle the battle. I don't just tell everybody when I'm in a battle. I face battles, but I don't get online and broadcast it. I don't call everybody. Hey, pass the word around right now, man. The devil's after me. He's after me hard. Tell everybody, you know, why would I do that? That's stupid. Yet that's the philosophy of the average modern day Christian. They think that the more people you get knowing your information and praying, the better off that you are. Jesus didn't do that. He took three. And this is not the only instance of him doing this. There are many stories of Jesus taking Peter, James and John, because when you're in a serious situation, okay, we weren't praying for a head cold. We didn't have the sniffles here. We had a dead little girl. We had a bad situation. And Jesus took three people of absolute faith with him. They weren't perfect, guys. Peter wasn't perfect, but he knew how to believe God. And so here we are in this situation. And that's a lesson that I take for my spiritual battles. I'm only going to let people that I know have faith in God. I'm going to only talk to people if I'm in the heat of battle that truly believe that God can do all things. I'm going to only take people with me into battle that can absolutely ignore the distractions that are going on all around them. And you need to surround yourself with people of faith. It's nice to have friends. It's nice to have good friends. It's good to be a nice, good, holy witness to the worldly people that you work with. You ought to. But they're not going to be my best friends. Take that. I mean, you know, do with that what you want. But Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor stands around in the seat of the scornful. Listen, you're going to be a lot more blessed if you surround yourself with people of faith with people that are on the same wavelength as you. And there's nothing wrong with having friends that aren't, you know, that aren't Christians, but they're not going to be my best friends. They're not going to be the people that I pour my heart out to. They're definitely not going to be people that I go to for advice. I've said it and I'll say it a thousand more times. I take advice from one of the babies up in that nursery before I go to some unsaved person for advice. If nothing else, they can utter the word Jesus and actually mean it. I mean, I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't get financial advice from some of these people on TV that are, that are the gurus and the wizards and all this stuff about, I'd go to one of these babies first. Because I refuse to let an ungodly, wicked person have any say so in how I handle my life. It's not gonna happen. Yet, a lot of Christians, they don't get that. But if nothing else, you ought to get this, that in a battle, you take people of faith. You don't just take everybody else that wants to tag along. We don't need them. They're going to tear you down. Let's look at the Old Testament here for a minute. And uh, we're going to look back at Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And as you're turning there, something that, you know, I kind of, uh, I don't know, the, the Lord explained to me, is that fear is one of Satan's most potent attacks. He has a lot of ways he could attack you, but I'm telling you right now, fear is one of his number one ways. Why is fear such a successful weapon and tool of the enemy. 
Because fear will attack you on three levels. Spirit, soul, and body. He makes me sick. He attacked my body. You know, okay, that's a one-fold attack. I, you know, I'm going to overcome that. Praise God. He does something over here. Well, that may have attacked me emotionally or whatever, but hey, I'm going to overcome that. Fear will absolutely come in and attack your spirit, your soul, and your body. And why it attacks your soul? Because fear, it preys on the mind, right? Am I getting too deep here? Or can we handle this on a Wednesday night? I want to go, I don't want to go over your head. If you can, you're the meat-eating crowd. Okay. Well, we're serving out steaks tonight, and Lawrence is paying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. But, but fear will attack you on three levels because your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. And I don't know about you, but when fear tries to attack me, it starts coming to my mind right away. That's attacking my soul right there. And secondly, if you dwell on these thoughts, if you, if you just let it keep grinding into your soul, you're eventually going to let it get to your spirit because Proverbs 4.23 says that you've got to guard your heart above all else for it affects everything you do. Well, does the heart mean the blood pump inside your chest? No. The heart means your spirit. Your spirit. Guard your spirit above all else. And if you're not, if you're not rebuking fear from coming into your life, you are not guarding your heart. And you will pay the consequences for it, sadly. And obviously, fear can attack you even on a physical level. I know people that are so fearful. I mean, they got the shakes. They got anxiety. They got ulcers. They, they're physically feeling the effects fear will attack you on all three levels and that's why the devil loves to use fear numbers chapter 13 and so here's the story i'll try to break this down quickly uh so the children of israel they cross the red sea they head toward canaan land that beautiful land and it, it is a land flowing with milk and honey and they make it there and and so joshua or excuse me moses sends 12 spies to spy out the land he's like we'll send you guys in we'll pick one guy from each of the 12 tribes of israel and so they send 12 spies into the land and say go scout it out man see what it's going to take for us to get in there and conquer this land and get what god promised to us get our inheritance and so moses sends in these 12 guys and now out of the 12 you know this story two of them were named joshua and caleb right and joshua and caleb uh, they didn't see the same thing everybody else saw. They had a totally different report from the other ten guys. And I'll tell you right now before I even study this, before I even explain this, that if you're going to be a person of faith, your opinion is going to be in the minority. Thanks, Mom. I'm telling you right now, people, come on, wake up on Wednesday night. Listen to me. If you're going to be a person of faith, you're not going to always have the popular opinion. You might be the only person at work that thinks that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You might be the only person in your house that thinks your prayers were going to get answered. And you've got to be okay with that. That's the hard part. Because if you're a person of faith, you don't always have everybody cheering you on. Everybody's saying, oh man, you can do it. I believe in you. Most of the time, you're not going to have that. You're going to have people hating on you, doubting you, and telling you you can't do it. And so before I even study this, before it's even worth looking at, you have to realize that if you're going to be a Joshua and Caleb, you better be ready to put up with some hate and some persecution and some doubters, because not everybody is going to believe the same way that you do about God. So Romans, excuse me, Numbers chapter 13, 
And we're going to look here, uh, starting at verse 27. So Moses sends in these 12 guys. And we're going to take a look at some of the reports that come back after the scouts get back out here. So Numbers 13, verse 27, it says, This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. That means it was full of resources. It was, it was a prosperous place. It had everything they needed. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But, uh-oh, here's what happens with most Christians. They get their butt in the way. And so here we go. It is beautiful. It's everything we want. But, great, here we go. And as my dad has always told me, whenever somebody says this, whenever they say some positive thing and then they say but, now you're going to find out what they really believe. They may have said the right Christian thing. Well, I know with God all things are possible, but. All right. Spit it out. Let's hear what you actually believe. It's the truth. The but will tell you what you really believe. Come on, people. And so here we are. And these guys, it is. Oh, it's everything God said it was. But. And here we go. Here's. Let's find out what they really believe. But the people living there are powerful. Uh-oh. And their towns are large and fortified. Oh, no. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So here they are. It, it's beautiful. It is, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Too bad we'll never get in. Fortified cities, giants, the descendants of Anak. You kidding me? We don't stand a chance. And so here they are spreading this evil report uh, throughout the land here. I'm going to skip down to verse 30. They, they go on saying all these evil things. Verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. So do you see here that we've got ten people saying, not a chance, not a chance, not a chance. And, and, and Caleb said, let's go right now. Let, I, I vote that we leave immediately and go in there right this minute. We can conquer this land. That is a big difference. They were all looking at the same piece of real estate, but there was two different takeaways out of this situation. And so the people of faith said, we absolutely can conquer this. But look at verse 31. Sad, sad, sad. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. Lie. There were some giants, but not everybody that lived in Canaan was a giant. That's a lie. Because fear will make you believe lies. Fear will make you think, and here's, I hear people say this all the time, man, nobody likes me. Nobody cares. I'm sure there are people that don't care about you. But hey, I care. Jesus cares. There's two. Ivana cares. There's three. Come on. Listen to me. Not everybody doesn't like you. Sure, there probably are some people that don't like you, but fear, and, and people literally believe this, that nobody likes them. No, I don't got no friends, man. I Listen, fear will absolutely explode the situation in your mind, and you'll sit there and believe it. And then, it's so powerful, you start speaking the lies directly out of your own mouth. It's a dangerous spot to be in, and I'm only on point number one. I better hustle, friends. I better hustle. So verse 33, they said, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. 
And so they're putting words in the enemy's mouth. We felt like grasshoppers, and I know they thought it too. I know that that's what they think about me. Fear, it does that. You assume what other people are thinking, and you assume it so much that you would guarantee it. I guarantee you that's what they're thinking. I promise you they think that about me. Did you hear them say it? Well, no, but I mean, I know they are. Stupid. That's dumb. But that's what fear will do to somebody. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. And so, Caleb gets the crowd fired up, but then the, you know, the party poopers come in and just rain on the parade, and they talk everybody into being people of fear. So, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Can you imagine millions of people weeping out in the wilderness all night? We're, and listen, we're not talking about little girls here. We're talking about grown men weeping. I guess I'm the only one that, that strikes me as strange. But I don't think that that's a very manly thing to do, is sit out there in the woods crying yourself to sleep at night. It's super not manly. We've got to take your man card back. We are revoking your man card. You don't do that. And here they are. They're so terrified over something that hasn't even happened yet. Why? Because fear is a form of faith. Believe it or not. Fear, it, fear is faith. It's believing something that hasn't even happened yet. It's believing without seeing. I know I'm going to lose my job. Well, how do you know that? Well, it hasn't happened yet, but I just know it. Man, I wish you had that type of faith in the right thing. Wow. If you could harness the powerful belief that you have towards the things of God, you'd be, a, you'd be, I mean, you'd be seeing miracles every day. If you harness the belief power that you use for negative things and turn it into believing God for good things, you'd be a giant, man. You'd be unstoppable. But believe me, fear is a a twisted, perverted form of faith because it will convince you of things that you can't even see. And Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Come on. That's a good word for somebody. All right? So anyway, um, I'm going to skip down to point number two. But if you were to read the rest of this chapter... God gets upset with these guys and he says, you know what? I have had it. Verse 21, God, he's like, you listen to me now. Not a single one of these men that was out here crying in the woods all night gets to go into the land. Nope. Head out to the wilderness and you're, you're, listen to me. He's, he's, I promise you, you will not step foot into the promised land until every one of these fearful ones has died. Only the people of faith get to enter. And so that's why it took them 40 years years in the desert because that's how long it took for all these guys to die off and if you do the math that's a very unpleasant thing because israel had several million people and they're walking through the wilderness and over that period of time that's thousands of people dying a day you do the math but thousands of people every day dying having burials out there for 40 years until the last one died off it didn't have to be that way but Fear will keep you out of the promised land. And some of you, you God already, God's got your promised land all mapped out for you. Well, I wish I had one. You do. But you just don't have the faith to step through it. You, you're too afraid to fight the, the giants. Because every time there's a promised land, there's giants. You are going to have to fight for it. That's the problem is most people don't want to fight. They just want it to, they just want to roll right into it. Listen, there's a promised land for you, but you are going to have to fight for it at some point. There is going to be a giant that stares you in the face and says, you can't come in. And you're going to have to say, yes, I can. I am coming in. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off like David did to Goliath. Sorry for the violence, but hey. So here we are. And 
you've got a promised land, I guarantee you that. You're like, well, I'm not living in it. Well, you could be. Why aren't you? Big reason could be fear is holding you back. Well, I don't want to make this decision. People aren't going to agree with it. Fine, man. Then just stay where you're at. But listen, there is a promised land for you. And fear will keep you out of it. The second thing Jesus said to Jairus is, just have faith. He said, don't be afraid, just have faith. And in the midst of a storm in our life, and anybody in here ever been in the middle of the storm? Or have you had smooth sailing since day one? You're an incredible people. I need to Give me your number because I need to talk to you afterwards and see how you did it. Because I haven't been able to have perfectly smooth sailing. But if you did, praise God for you. You're, you're a hero. Wow. But anyway, <laughs> but we've all been in this storm. We've all faced difficulties and situations. And in the middle of it, the hardest thing can be to just have faith. Just believe. Because we're like, sometimes we just overcomplicate it. Well, okay, I, I, I know just believe, but, but this, this, and this. And, and I bet I, 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 back in third grade, I, 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 I stole someone's glue stick. And, and I'll bet that's why I'm sick now. And, and I'll bet that back, back, back in this day I did that. And you're analyzing every little step you've ever taken in your life. When it all boils down to, I mean, seriously, don't be afraid. Just have faith. And that's what Jesus said to Jairus in this bad situation. But let's look at Mark chapter 10 really quick. Mark chapter 10. And I want to show you the story about Blind Bart. Anybody in here love Blind Bart like I love Blind Bart? I love Blind Bart. Mark chapter 10. And I love Blind Bart because Bart didn't care about what people thought about him. And I wish more of us had that attribute and quality. Because when you don't care what people think about you, you'll raise your hands to Jesus and worship him. When you don't care what people think about you, you'll pray for your lunch at work in front of everybody and not even care. When you don't care what people think, I mean, you have no problem saying, well, we don't do the Halloween thing. We, you know, we, 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 have, we go to church that night. <laughs> Is it, did you all gang up before service and conspire to be quiet on me tonight? What's going on here? I'm a Pentecostal preacher. I need a little feedback. All right. Mark chapter 10, maybe, maybe our internet listener, yeah, thank you. People of the internet listening to this, there, there is a live crowd here. This is not a dead crowd that I'm, I'm not preaching at the morgue, this is real people. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, and so here we have the story, uh, the great story of blind Bar Timaeus. And so, here's what's going on. Jesus is walking down the road and and he's walking through and Bart hears that Jesus is coming through. And so Mark 10 verse 46, then they reached Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. I wish some Christians would do that today. Jesus of Nazareth is nearby, people. And so Bart begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. And so he was like, fine, I'll be quiet. You guys are so mean. Jeez, jeez. No, that's not what he did. It says, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. 
And for a lot of people, just someone telling you to quiet down, that's enough right there. You'll, you'll listen and you'll obey them. You can't do that if you're in the storm. If you're fighting for your life and people tell you to quiet down with all this Jesus stuff, you know what you do? You yell it even louder. You get the bullhorn in their face. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. You yell it even louder. And so here's what's going on. And so he starts yelling even louder, getting crazier. But then Jesus heard him. He stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Now, maybe you've heard that story a million times. Good for you. Let's break it down real quickly and take a closer look at this. And so what happened here? How did Bartimaeus get his healing in this instance? Well, adversity came to him just like it does to everybody else, but it only inspired him to worship God even harder. And so you're going to have to use some of the adversity coming towards you as inspiration and say, all right, you don't like that. You're really not going to like this because now I'm going to go to church twice a week. If you don't like one, oh, you don't like two. How about three? Oh, you don't like me giving to the poor. How about I start tithing? Oh, you don't like me praying. How about I get up an extra hour early every day and read my Bible and pray? You're really not going to like that, are you? Come on, double up on them. Hit them harder. Come on. If you're in the battle, you got to mean business. You have got to be serious but something else i want to point out is in verse 50 it says before he was ever even healed jesus said come over here he gets up takes off his coat and throws it aside and walks toward jesus and you're like well big deal well you realize and i've I've explained this but i don't think everybody's heard this that that coat was not just something to keep him warm that was his legal right to be a beggar there's no welfare system. The government didn't give you money, but the most generous they could be was, well, we'll give you this coat so everybody knows that you do have a right to sit by the road and beg. And so he has, this is, this is his income. This coat is his right. It's his license to be a beggar. Jesus says, come here. And he's like, I'm not going to need this anymore. He just throws it off before Jesus ever even healed him. That's faith right there. Come on. He's blind. I mean, he threw it. He's not going to find it again. It is gone. It's out of here. And he, and, and he comes up and he comes to Jesus. And, 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 and Jesus, of course, says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, isn't it obvious? Hello? He's kind of blind here, Jesus. So, I mean, what do you think he wants? You think he wants new shoes? What? Think he wants you to pray for his hearing? He, he's blind. What? Because Jesus was going to do whatever Bart asked for. And some people, what they need is obvious to everybody around them, but it's not what they're asking for. Bart could have said, Jesus, I'm praying. Uh, If you could just get me a better spot on the road to beg. If you could get me up closer to the town, more people are up there. I'd get more uh, more welfare. I'd get more charity. More people would feel, I'd get more sympathy if I was closer to town. Get me up there. He didn't ask for that. He could have said, Jesus, give me a bigger jar to hold the coins. He didn't. He said, Rabbi, I want to see. It was obvious to everybody. But Jesus was going to do what he said because Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. 
And so Jesus will do what you're asking for, but what are you asking for? Yeah, well, Lord, I don't want to ask for much. Just if I could get maybe an extra $10 this week and, and j- just for me and the kids. I don't, I don't want to help. No, 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 I don't want to ask for more than that. And he said, oh, well, there you go. I mean, I could, I could do a lot better than that, but whatever. I knew a man who was uh, 28 years old. This is one of the saddest things I've ever saw. His goal in life, what, and you know, if this hits close to home, I'm sorry, but I thought, I thought it was really sad. He had, he had had some back injuries. It wasn't crippling, but it, it was, his whole goal was to be able to get on uh, disability at the age of 28 because he never wanted to work again for the rest of his life. And I'm like, dude, we could pray for your healing right now and fix that. No, no, I know. Yeah. And so he, yeah, 28 years old, got on disability for the rest of his life, happiest day of his life. I'm like, bro, you're 28. You don't want to be able to, you realize for the rest of your, you want to be on, so you could let the government give you $1,500 a month for the next 40 years. You could get healed and go make $5,000 a month for the next 40 years if you wanted to. Isn't that sick what fear will do to somebody? He believed that this is going to be the best. Thank God for disability if someone really needs it. But I mean, I would, listen, if I needed it temporarily, I would get it temporarily, but I don't want to live on, I, I'm 30 years old. I don't want to live on that for the next 50 years. That's awful. I want to be able to do everything that God's called me to do. That's no way to live your life. And here he had no interest in, in healing, had no interest in any of it. He just wanted that measly, those, those few coins from Uncle Sam for the next 50 years. And that, that's as high as he could see. That's as high as he could reach for. I'm not making fun. That's sad. That makes me sad. That at 28 years old, you've, you've, that's, you've, there's your future. There it is. That's awful. But fear will do that to you. I'd rather get the healing. And I'd, I mean, come on. I'd rather go out and climb mountains. I'd rather go out and, and sail the seas. I'd rather go out and, and do something with my life. Not be confined to that forever. But fear will mess you up. But Bar didn't have that attitude. No, I, no, I am done with being a beggar. I want to see. I never want to go back to that. And that's the attitude of an overcomer. That's the attitude of somebody that's going to win the victory. And so, yep, he gets up. Jesus heals him. And then one of the most beautiful parts of the whole story here is this uh, last verse here. It says, instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. I know a lot of people that Jesus healed, but then they didn't follow him down the road. They got what they needed. Oh, man, I got my fix. I'm good. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And they don't even follow Jesus after that. I know a guy that got healed of a massive heart attack and they didn't come to church for four months. What? Are you judging him? Well, I'm judging his fruit. That's stupid. Why would you do that? The Lord heals you. I mean, you about died in the middle of the desert. They're not going to even knock on God's door and, you know, thanks. Nothing? Come on. So not, don't, not, don't fool yourself. Not everybody that gets a miracle follows Jesus down the road. This is my favorite part of this whole story is he got the miracle, but then he still followed Jesus. Amen. And so I'm telling you now, there's some stories that you could learn from blind Bartimaeus. And the last thing I'll say tonight is this. Number three is this is a long point. When you're living in faith, you can praise God even before you see the answer. Well, I'll shout after these walls come down, man. That's not what God told the Israelites to do. He said, shout before the walls come down and then they'll fall. Uh, well, no, I'll praise God when I get through this. Then you're not going to get there. Praise now. Do it right now. 
Do it while you're, while you're held captive. Do it while the walls are still standing. I'm trying to tell you how to win some spiritual battles. And one big way you can do it is you can start praising God before you even see the answer. When it still looks like a terrible situation, you start praising God anyway. Because faith says, it's as good as done. My dad's coming through for me. You can try to hold me back. My dad's coming. He's going to get me out of this. But you've got to see it that way. I'm going to push it here. Acts chapter 16. I want to, because I, I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories. Do you have time for my favorite story? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to look at verse 23. Acts chapter 16. And here we have the story of Paul and Silas locked up in the prison. They were beaten. They were locked in the inner dungeon. They are in a bad situation. All they did was they were just out preaching and casting the devil out of people. They weren't doing anything wrong at all. But yet something bad still happened. And so just because something bad happens to you, it doesn't mean that you're out of the will of God. Like, well, I must be out of the will of God because this happened. And so I, I, I don't know. I, miss, I must have missed it. Not necessarily. Because Paul was directly in the middle of God's will and they killed him. Stoned him. He got raised to life. They, he got beaten. Uh, I mean, you can look at Second Corinthians 12. He gives a list, or maybe it's chapter 11, but he gives a list of all the bad things that happened to him, and it was awful, but he was right in the middle of God's will the whole time. Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 23, because here's an example for you of being in a bad situation. They were beaten, verse 23, they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. So not only were they prisoners, but they got beat before they got there. They're just having an all-out bad day. Uh, they're 0 for 2 here. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So around midnight, Paul and Silas, they began crying. They started weeping, wailing, blaming God. No. What happened around midnight? They were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And so how many of you, if you were beaten and put in prison at midnight, would you start praising God? I don't know. I, most Christians I know, I can say they wouldn't. Because they have far less things happen to them than this, and they're not praising God. I mean, someone, you know, gives them a dirty look at work, and that's all it ruins their week. That's how weak they are. Seriously. I, again, not making fun. I'm trying to encourage us tonight on how we can win some battles. We have got to quit being so sensitive. We've we, we we got some sissies on our hands that we listen. It, you are not. You got to toughen up a little bit. And don't say, well, yeah, I'd be praising God in the prison if you're not praising God. You know, when your water bill's high, if you can't praise God when you know when someone doesn't agree with you. But if you can't handle that, don't lie to yourself and say I'd, I'd be praising God. Yes, I would. You probably wouldn't. You need to start praising God on a regular basis in your life. Even when little tiny bad things happen, become a person of praise. And that's that's when you'll do this in the middle of the midnight hour. And so here they are. They're beaten. They're they're bloody. They're nasty. And so they start praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains fell off of every prisoner that is an amazing story right there did that just happen did there just so happen to be an earthquake that struck that day no it happened because 
they were praising God in the worst moment. And that's going to happen to you. If you'll praise God, God will get you out of that bad situation. If you can praise him just like they did. God will shake the prison that you're in. God will break the chains off of you if you are willing to praise even when it hurts. If you're willing to offer the sacrifice of praise. Some people don't understand that, 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 that phrase. Do you, do you realize that it's a sacrifice sometimes to praise? Because you don't feel like it. But when you sacrifice your feelings, I'm going to praise you anyway. I don't feel like this. I'm, but you know what, Lord? I'm going to, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to call you worthy. That's the sacrifice of praise. You're sacrificing your feelings and wants to praise God. And when you offer the sacrifice of praise, man, chains break. Doors open. Things shake. And you get out of prison. And so everything that we've said tonight, I'm just breaking it down to this, is you're going to have to overcome fear if you're ever going to be successful at spiritual warfare. We've studied a lot of stuff, but listen to me. That doesn't mean that the devil's not going to try to still scare you and try to still bring things up against you. You're going to have to learn to overcome fear. And just like Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Only believe. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 